0: Welcome to the Grace Point Podcast, where we are connecting you with biblical truth that provides encouragement, hope, and healing. Welcome, welcome to the Grace Point Podcast. I'm glad that you joined me today. This is Pastor Dave, and I love, I'm I'm learning that I love podcasting. I love doing this. Uh, I really like sitting down talking with people. That's probably first and foremost, but I'm doing something a little different today. Today I am going to I'm going to teach. I'm going to teach, I'm going to preach, whatever you want to call it there. Um, and and, and I, I, a couple things I want to say as we get started, okay. First of all, um, this is going to be long, okay? Shocker, I know if you're Grace Point people listening. Um, let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to just start teaching in just a few minutes after I kind of set it all up and I'm probably going to go an hour, an hour, and I still won't be done with everything I want to share today, but but I, I decided I'm just going to teach without a time limit in, in the setting of a worship service, and I don't know, this text, Second Chronicles 20, which I want to teach this morning to encourage you, I hope, it may be a four-parter. I mean, I've, I've got like 10 pages right here, and I'm going to try to stop in an hour, but um, I know ideally, you know, you go 30, 45 minutes, I get it. But, hey, look, here's the deal. Listen, if You start listening to it, after you're in, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever, turn it off, go do your thing, come back to it. That's kind of the way uh, I, I see it working. I, I recognize it's hard to, to listen to something for a whole hour, right? There's a lot of things going on that you might have going on. So let me just start. Let, first of all, why am I doing this? So I really want to... Every time I teach, of course, I I really want to encourage people. I want to encourage you. And I know that the single best way to do that is by teaching and sharing the Word of God, which then points people to God, which points people to Him. That is the greatest way I know that I can encourage you, and I know many people, you know, especially right now. I guess that so many are struggling and walking through difficult times, and there's so much going on around us with this season of the COVID thing, and, and and my heart is really just for Grace Point, you know, just been heavy, and I'm like, gosh, I wanna, I wanna get to everybody, but you know, I even literally can't right now because we don't even gather, even if I. Um, you know obviously i can't literally uh, even when we all gather to everyone but I, I just what way can i encourage as many people as possible so i thought what about what about just doing a podcast and and sharing uh, with you the scriptures that i hope can encourage you so if i had to title this thing i was kind of thinking well, what would i title this you know this is kind of new territory where i'm just doing a podcast and there's no and there's no time restriction which i get a fired up about that, but um, when the odds are against you, is kind of what I thought of. When the mountain is just too high to climb, you know, when you're defeated, when you're discouraged, when you're worn out, all of those things I think fit here. Uh, fighting a good fight, so obviously I didn't pick one, but all those things kind of kind of come to mind, so that that's what I want to do. I want to bring you encouragement through the teaching of God's Word. This I know is my calling. This is what the, you know what God wants me to do through preaching and the pastoring and shepherding people so encouraging through through the Word of God and, and hopefully you find some hope and some encouragement today. So I'm going to teach Second Chronicles chapter 20. Second Chronicles chapter 20. You can certainly turn there if you want. You don't have to if you don't want to. I'll read the passages as we go through this thing. So don't, ter- don't, turn-, don't turn this off when I tell you that I'm going to teach through 23 passages, okay? Don't turn it off. Thinking, ah, it's going to take him uh, all day, eight hours. I'm only going to teach, uh, through the first part of it. I'll stop probably, um, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. And then we'll come back to it. And maybe just over the next few weeks, we kind of walk through this together and find some encouragement, find some hope. I'm pointing you to the Word of God and to God Himself. Um, as you might be, you know, maybe this finds you walking through a difficult time. Maybe, maybe not. I still think it will bring you encouragement. Maybe you can encourage others that are walking through um, some challenges right now. Read this quote a while back. Pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts to us in our pain. He certainly gets our attention doesn't he, when we're walking through difficult times and when we're dealing with pain. This past week, and I, I'm not sure when I'm going to post this thing, but recently, let me say it that way, in one of my sermons I read this, you might, you might remember uh, this quote, Jesus lost all his glory so that we could be clothed in it. He was shut out so we could get access He was bound, nailed so that we could be free. He was cast out so we could approach and Jesus took away the only kind of suffering that can really destroy you. That being cast away from God. He took that so that now all suffering that comes into our life can make us greater for the glory of God coal under pressure becomes a diamond and the suffering of a person in Christ only turns us into something more beautiful so we're talking today about struggle we're talking about suffering we're talking about difficulty we're talking about when things just don't seem to change and I've been praying and I've been hoping I've been reading and I've been worshiping. And so this message is, is going to encourage you to, you know, to, to continue to fight the good fight. So in Second Chronicles chapter 20, okay, so really I've got to lay some groundwork. And again, this context, I'll probably go a little slower and maybe do a little more, uh, a little more work on the foundation if you will, but this, this chapter, 2nd Chronicles 20, is about a man named Jehoshaphat and, and specifically we're going to look at his prayer and just his response to difficult situations. So, let me, let me give you this little groundwork, so stay with me, let me give you just some, some background on Jehoshaphat, okay? Because this helps bring clarity to what we're going to walk through. So Jehoshaphat, the fourth king of Judah, became one of the country's most successful rulers for one simple reason, he followed the commands of God. At 35 years old, he became king. He succeeded his father, whose name was Asa. And, and Asa was the first, uh, we could say, good king over Judah. And, and Asa, so Jehoshaphat's father, also did what was right in God's eyes, led Judah to uh, a, a number, a series of religious reforms. So Jehoshaphat, when he takes office, when he becomes king, he immediately begins to, uh, he, he abolishes idol worship that had really consumed the land. He destroyed the Asherah poles where people had worshiped the false gods. So he did things that would continue to solidify devotion to God. He sends out prophets and priests throughout the country to teach people God's laws. And so, as he did this, God looks with favor upon Jehoshaphat, strengthens his kingdom, makes him wealthy, blesses him. Neighboring kings um, fear his power and so pay tribute to him. So he's in a he's in a good position that it springs from him following the commands of God. Now, along the way, Jehoshaphat makes some bad decisions. One of the bad decisions he makes is he allies himself with Israel by having his son, marry. King Ahab's, stay with me on this, King Ahab's daughter. So King Ahab and his wife, okay, get ready, it's going to make sense, Queen Jezebel had well-deserved reputations of wickedness. So Jehoshaphat aligns himself with these... Ungodly people. All right, so, side note, it just reminds us, 1 Corinthians tells us, 15 tells us, bad company corrupts good character. Remember, let me say it again, who you spend your time with matters, who you hang around with makes a difference. It's a great example of it right here. This man who was following the commands of God, God was blessing, he makes a bad decision to align himself with <clears throat> Ahab, King Ahab, and it leads him, uh, leads him to bad places. And the main thing is, so, so in summary, at first the alliance worked okay. But then eventually Ahab draws Jehoshaphat into this battle, this war, that was against what God wanted. It was against the will of God. And it was, this, this war was a catastrophe, a catastrophe. And only through the intervention of God does Jehoshaphat escape. Ahab did not. He was killed in that. Now following that disaster, then, then Jehoshaphat... Gets back on the path, if you will. I think he recognized uh, the wrong decision, and um, he makes some more steps to bring stability through the kingdom. appoint some judges throughout Judah to deal uh, fairly with people's disputes, and it brought, you know, continued stability. So, so when we think about Jehoshaphat, in summary, and we're going to move into this text, he he. He did some great things. He strengthened Judah's military by building this this strong army. He campaigned against idolatry for the renewed worship of of Jehovah God. He educated people in God's laws by sending out priests and Levites to to share the word of God. And uh, he was obedient to God. So God used him in, in great ways. So this is Jehoshaphat. Okay, so now... As we pick up in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, what I want to begin teaching and sharing with you, we have Jehoshaphat and he comes into a situation where I would say the odds are against him. It's a huge mountain to climb. This looks like an impossible situation. This man who here in this text is following the commands of God and being used by God. So here's what it said. First, so 2 Chronicles 20, verse 1 says, After this the Moabites and Ammonites and with them some of the Mennonites came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, and listen to this, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea. Verse 3, all right, so this great multitude. So verse 3, and then I want to stop and, and, and expand on this. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. So takeaway number one, you know I like to teach in takeaways, so let me give you the first takeaway. Takeaway number one from this. I I'll, I'll pause here and say this. There will be circumstances and people in this world that come against you and scare you. It will happen. It will happen because of the the fractured world we live in. Uh, We know that that's has probably happened in the past. It will happen down the road. Maybe you're dealing with that Right now, there will be circumstances and people in this world that come against you and scare you. It's exactly what happened here with Jehoshaphat. This man who's called by God, leading the people of God, on, 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 by all accounts, as we said, we, we saw the wheels came off at times. By all accounts, I think he got back on track. A good guy trying to do the right thing, and look at what happens. This, this group of people, this great multitude Come against him and want to kill him. So here's a side note. Do you do you know? Remember, I guess, you should remember, let me say it that way, you know this. You will never please everyone. Do you understand that even when you are following God, the commands of God, the way of God, and doing the will of God, do you understand that you will still never please everyone? I mean, look at Daniel, right? What happened to Daniel? He got got thrown in the lion's den for doing everything right. Jehoshaphat now, following the commands of God, doing what God wants, and what happens? This great multitude comes against him. So just recognize that even when you're following God even when you're in the will of God. You're never going to please everyone. So we we need to stop trying to do that. Don't let that determine your value and your self-esteem and your worth. Look, I'm not saying you go to the other side with this attitude like I could care I couldn't care less what people think. I don't care. You know, don't don't be a jerk, right? In that way. I'm just going to live my own life. Well, there's the the balance, right? We we can learn from other people. We Certainly counsel from godly people, and we can care in that sense and those that are closest to us. But the idea is that I'm I'm getting at here is we're never going to please everybody. And in our minds, too, I think even so there's going to be people, as I said, that come against us no matter matter what, just like here. That's going to happen and might scare you or unsettle you. That's going to happen. I'm going to show you the response of how we deal with that, though, okay? And circumstances that come against you. I think that in our minds, and I've often thought this way, but when we study the Scriptures we understand this is not how it flows, it's not how it works. We have this idea that if I do A and B, I get C. Right? 2 plus 2 is 4. So if I um, let go of my old life and the flesh and I follow God and I'm growing in my faith and I'm going to church, and I'm worshiping God, and we're praying, and as a family, we're united. All these, if if I'm doing all these things, then the results should be, and then you fill in the blank. You know, we really shouldn't have many problems. Life should be great. You know, people will think we're, you, you know, will affirm us, and all this, right? And we think that that, and sometimes that happens, right? Certainly would would say that as we are Christ followers, that, you know, we're obedient to God, and God blesses that. But it doesn't mean it. It makes us immune, immune from challenge, from um, difficult circumstances, from the effects of the fall, from people who come against us. Those things are going to happen. And, And unfortunately, as we see in the Scriptures, and well, you see it now around you, but I think always more importantly in the Scriptures is bad things happen to good people. I don't like that. Seems like it shouldn't be that way. But because of the world in which we live, that happens. And why do bad things happen to good people? Well, that's another podcast, I guess, isn't it? That needs to be one, one I do down the road. But in summary, you know, I'm going to take you to Genesis 3, a tree and apple and two people who said we want to be king. But here's what I want you to see first in this story, is that, that Jehoshaphat, verse 3, it says that that when he had the knowledge now that this great multitude was coming against him, verse 3, then Jehoshaphat, this king, right, that God is is, is anointed and is using and and is following the commands and has been used in great ways, then Jehoshaphat was afraid. Okay, So I think that's another thing that's important to us is to remember that you know what, no matter how strong you are in your faith, no matter how mature you are in your faith, no matter how much Bible you know, and even if you go to church every week, which you should, and, and worship and pray and give and lead, there will be times, there will be things that happen, circumstances that happen, that will cause us to be afraid, or that will cause fear. Come into our hearts, just like Jehoshaphat. When he heard this, then Jehoshaphat was afraid. So I I don't want you to think that that um, well, if my faith is strong enough, I'll never be afraid of anything. Well, I think I think we still we still battle with fear at times. Now the thing is, and I was thinking about this this morning in writing, but you know I write a lot of different things, and and you know a lot of them make it into the sermons, and a lot of them don't, but. But I was asking myself the question, you know, studying a little bit about fear and reading in devotional today, that, that I never want fear to drive me. I don't want to live in fear. And I was asking myself the question, I wonder if we can live in fear and sometimes not even know it. I think that can happen. So that's, the, that's unhealthy. I'm not saying that's what Jehoshaphat was doing here. That fear came upon him. So I think initially he, he assessed the situation. What he saw, what he knew, it says, caused him to be afraid. So that's going to happen in our lives, okay? Even when we're doing what God wants, even when we're mature in our faith, even when we're growing, that's going to happen. But somebody said one time, and I wrote it down, courage is not the absence of fear. It's moving forward in spite of your fears. Okay, that's courage. Courage, one more time. Is not the absence of fear; it's moving forward in spite of your fears. And sometimes it's hard to admit we're afraid, right? Especially for us as men, we don't want our wives, we don't people to know we're afraid of something, right? Or we're unsettled about something. All of us have that, or maybe we don't want to admit that to God. Well, of course, you know we all know that God already knows that, right? I don't want to. I don't want to say how I feel that I. Maybe that I'm questioning God or I'm doubting God or I don't want, you know, because I'm not supposed to. Well, look, God already knows that. He knows exactly what you're dealing with. He knows exactly how you're feeling. He knows exactly that you're dealing with maybe fear or insecurity or disappointment with Him or whatever that may be. And God can handle that. That's the good thing. God can handle that. And that's why we, we need to. We, we, we talk with God about that, we pray, we give that to God. He wants, he wants those things, he wants to use those things to draw you to him. I'm not saying that's their singular purpose, but, but, but in that, <clears throat> those things can draw you, move you, push you maybe to God. So recognize things are going to happen in this world that, that our initial response is fear. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. What do you do with it? What do you do with it? Are you feeding it? we feed it, obviously it grows. we're dwelling on it, we dwell on it. I know when I dwell on it, it overtakes me. I dwell on it. I make decisions out of fear. Never good decisions. So... That's really, the question is, what do we do with that fear when it comes into our hearts? And let's look at that. It takes us back to verse 3. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid. Now watch what he does immediately, okay? And set his face to seek the Lord. He goes on and says and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So that that's a way that you seek the Lord. And what you see unfolding, I think, are different things he does to seek the Lord in these scriptures that we'll, we'll go through, uh, some of them today and then in the next few, few times that we that I come to you, different ways that we seek the Lord. Because he mentions one right there, that's the first one is, he declares a fast all throughout Judah. So takeaway number two is this. So the first one, we recognize circumstances, people will come against us, um, and that brings fear. It scares us. Takeaway number two is this. Let your fear move you to seek God, that's exactly what Jehoshaphat did, in greater, deeper ways. Let your fear move you to seek God in greater and deeper ways. There's a verse, I'm going to jump ahead. This is so awesome. I want in, in verse, when we get to verse 12, okay, but, but it just comes back to me right now. I want to read it, okay? I'm getting ahead of myself, but it says this, For we are powerless against this great army that is coming against us. We do not know what to do. Okay, so maybe let me pause, okay? Maybe that's where you're at right now with whatever situation you face. And the great army can be circumstantial, it can be a person, it can be physical illness, it can be um, emotional struggle, it can be depression, it can be anxiety, or just whatever, whatever has come against you. You see what they're doing there? They're admitting, for we are powerless against this great army that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, I'm not even sure how to deal with this. Here's, here's their response. He says, it, it finishes with this, but our eyes are on you. That's seeking God. But our eyes are on you. And you see, that. that's how you're seeking God. And so as we do that, what happens? Fear subsides, faith strengthens. Where? Are your eyes? What are your eyes on? For me, you know what happens. I just get so focused on that problem that the fear just ramps up really fast. And Jehoshaphat, he's seeking. the f- The fear moved him to seek God in greater ways. So two things from that that I want to mention. Number one, first of all, his first, you see in this scripture, in verse three, he was afraid and then it's it's like immediate. He set his face to seek the Lord. This was his first response. That's the first thing I want you to know. His first response, do you see, was not even to go get counsel from somebody else. He knew immediately what he needed to do. Now, does that mean we don't get counsel? No, not at all. I mean, that's what I do as a pastor, and I love to do is to shepherd and encourage people and counsel people and then refer people um, to, to, to Christian godly counselors. But I will say to you, whatever it is you're facing, whatever it is you're facing, your first response is to do exactly what Jehoshaphat did is to seek the Lord first. That was his first response. Set his eyes on the Lord. When I write a sermon, when I write a message even like this one, my first response is not to read all the commentaries, which I love to read, by the way, about different from different commentators who are far smarter than I am and have great insights. I, I love to do that, but that's not the first thing I do when I when I come to write a message. I know we're talking about different context here, you know, but but still, it's the same principle. I, I don't I don't read what everybody thinks about it or listen to what everybody thinks about it, right? I the first thing I do is I open my Bible. I have my pad of paper right next to me, my computer too, but I, I kind of like the old school paper paper too. I have both. And I read the scriptures and then I seek God for God to speak to me first and foremost. Let God speak to me first. And then after I write from what God has shown me through his scriptures, then I bring in other commentators who, who can certainly give insight. But I don't want to turn that around because I want to hear first from God and foremost from God, right? And then these other Biblical commentators are for you, this other Christian counsel supports, encourages, brings insight to other counsel to your situation, to your circumstance that help you calm, helps calm your fears. So his, it was his first response and, and that takes discipline sometimes I think you know, we can default, when we get into that fear mode, we we default to a lot of different things and sometimes, you know, it just kind of overtakes us. So the first thing is that that I mentioned that he did, Jehoshaphat did, his first response was to seek God. And then the second thing was, it was not a delayed response, I kind of already mentioned that, but he quickly started to seek God. Okay, so uh, I, I wrote this down as I was just writing this message, and I've experienced this, and maybe you have, The longer you wait to seek God in the midst of your fear, the deeper your fear goes, and the stronger it becomes. Okay, one more time. The longer you wait to seek God in the midst of your fear, the deeper your fear goes, and the stronger it becomes. And then that's when it kind of moves into this stronghold on your life, right? And so... We want to, our first, whatever we're facing, okay, our first, as it brings fear or even unsettledness, or we can even say anxiety or whatever that, that, that begins to overtake us, we first do what Jehoshaphat did. We set our face to seek the Lord. Now, we're going to talk about what that looks like more specifically in just a minute. But we do it first. It's not a delayed response. That was the first thing he did. So. What then when we talk about seeking the Lord, let's, let's kind of break that down and I think that's what he, he kind of shows us some ways to do that so that we can find this victory over this fear and this difficult situation just like Jehoshaphat faced. And One of the first things he does there in verse 3, then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaim the fast. Throughout all of Judah, let's talk about that for a minute. Fasting—it's a—you it's a, it's a, know—a discipline of our faith, a great spiritual discipline. We've done it here at Grace Point um, a number of times before, and it's—it's uh, it's a way that we seek the Lord. It's a way that we uh, set our eyes on Him. So, I would define it this way when we talk about fasting, and maybe for some of you, what is that? That's new. and and so let me just take a minute. So fasting, I, I would uh, I, I would say it this way. It, it's it's a time where we decide to set aside food. Now, it can be other things, okay, but primarily a time where we set aside food for the purpose. Of setting our hearts fully upon God in prayer and worship. That's just my definition, however we define it. There's a lot of different ways to come at it. But I think that's the central heart of it. Is so we're setting aside something. So in this case, setting aside food for the purpose of then setting our hearts fully on God in prayer and worship. Okay, so that's a greater dependence upon God, a greater seeking of God, and, and most of the time it's circumstantial, like there's something that is coming against us or there's something that is before us or we have you know a great decision before us, and so we choose to uh, fast and to seek God in greater ways so just practically speaking like for example and this isn't the only way people can you can do this in a number of different ways um, certainly but so what we've done at Grace Point at times is I've, I've said if you've been with me for any length of time like y- you know if we decide to fast uh, over something I would say well let's do that from uh, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. on a Wednesday so basically then what happens is um, you don't from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. You, you choose to set aside food or if you can't do it because of um, health issues like you have to eat a certain time or, or diabetic or different things, then it can be you set aside TV or you set aside Facebook or you set aside you know something, right? But in this, let's just say we set aside food from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And you know, when I first started doing this years ago, I remember I was at First Baptist Grapevine serving on staff there and our pastor call us in this time of fasting and prayer, and and you know, for me, when I first started, if I'm honest, thirty plus years ago, thirty years ago, it was like fasting was like, man, I just got to make it from six a.m. to six p.m. First of all, I'm not sure I can do that without food. Um, second, um, when I did make it, I found myself—I hate to even admit this—but I was just celebrating the fact that I made it through, you know. And then I was hitting McDonald's, so it lies in the drive-through at you know, five fifty-eight. So at 6.01, I'd have shoved a quarter pounder in my mouth. And so the idea was I made it through. But but then, you know, it, it struck me like, well, that's not – the purpose of fasting is not just to do without food for 12 hours and then say, man, I made it. And in, in my immaturity, that's kind of where I was going in my mind. It's It's that I'm going to set this aside so that – I will spend my time with more intensity, focusing, praying, worshiping, seeking God. That's why I'm fasting. It's not just we'll stick it out for 12 hours without food. And now, after I learned that, now so when I begin to get hungry during the day, it just reminds me, you know, to to go deeper with God, to set aside that time where I may be eating a lunch or or other times when I have hunger pains, it just drives me to remember. It's like a trigger all of a sudden to go into prayer. Open the Word. Stop right now and pray and seek God. Okay, that's a, that's a great spiritual discipline. And it is a way that we can seek God. So maybe for you, if you're, if you're you know, facing something, You know, maybe that's something God calls you to do one day. Maybe for you it's four hours, you know, maybe. It can look different, again, however the Lord leads you, I I want you to have that leeway to... But don't. I think that it's a spiritual discipline that I think we neglect a lot of times. And so even though we may not do it as a church as much, which I love when we do, it it can also be a a personal spiritual discipline that you can do as the Lord leads you, okay? Now let's go to um, let's see the last part of verse three there. He, pray, he proclaimed a fast all throughout Judah and all in all let's go to verse four, okay, verse four. and Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek, the Lord. Okay, so now what Jehoshaphat does is he calls all of the people together. It'd be me like calling, kind of like me calling all of Grace Point together. We are going to seek the Lord. We are going to pray together. We are going to fast. We are going to seek the Lord together and to seek help from God. So I want, you know, Look, this is interesting in verse 3. It's, it's something to note. The Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord. So I, I think first, I think that's important. I don't think that, that you see how that's worded. Seek the Lord first. All right, now watch this. And proclaim a fast throughout all of Judah. And Judah assembled to, now look at this next part, to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. All right, so you see what's Sam- So first... It says, he was seeking the Lord first, then it says, to seek help from the Lord. See that order? And then it comes back to, and he ends that verse with, to seek the Lord. Okay, so it's certainly both and, but first, and this is is something we have to discipline ourselves to, it's first, do you see that? Seeking God before we seek the answer. Seeking God before we seek the answer. That's not even take one number three, but it should be probably. I'm just kind of going, you know, sometimes different directions here. But, but that let, let me just give you that one. If you're in, if you are you know writing that stuff down or whatever, just that's a good one. I, God just has reminded me of that even right now as I'm teaching that that we see in the scriptures that they first sought God before they sought the answer. They first were seeking Him before they were seeking help. And that's that's worship, right? Prayer, abiding, as I've talked in my messages recently. So takeaway number three, though, we we can throw that in as a bonus, but here's takeaway number three. As they came together, here's what I notice in this text. And this can be, if not as a church, but maybe as you come together with husband, wife, friends, or whatever. um, Spend more time seeking God than talking about the problem. That's what they did. You notice that? Spend more time seeking God than talking about the problem. It says, And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. (laughs) They didn't come just to complain. They didn't come to have a pity party. They didn't come to say, This is horrible, let me tell you. They came. First, seek the Lord. Spend more time seeking God than talking about the problem. Now, notice I'm not saying don't. I'm not saying don't don't talk about the problem. Don't talk about it. don't talk about it. That's kind of the other side of it that I think is not good. We just want to ignore it like it's not there. That's not good either. We're gonna talk about that. It's okay to do that. But you know what I found about myself is if I'm not careful, I can be talking to uh, a couple brothers and and man I just ramble off everything about this problem and I don't even stop and talk about God in the midst of this or seek God and say can you guys just stop let's just stop and pray about this I've disciplined myself and I'm thankful by the grace of God that he nudges me taps me on the shoulder and sometimes smacks me in the back of the head maybe but hey quit talking about the problem Talk to me. So find that balance. Again, I'm not saying don't talk about the problem because there's is is healing in that. There in the sense of being able to share with someone and then they can give you insight. But again, you know, what's what's our main focus here? And we get swept away with the overwhelming issue if we spend more time talking about the problem than we do seeking God so I I summarize it this way when we spend more time talking about the problem than we do seeking God we lose perspective and make the problem bigger than God let me let me just say that one more time when we spend more time talking about the problem than we do seeking God We lose perspective and make the problem bigger than God. Now, we know nothing is truly bigger than God, but in our mind, right, the the problem becomes bigger than God. I mean, it literally is not, but in our minds, we make it that way, and that's why it becomes so overwhelming. Think about this. Think about this. Our problem is not our problem, our problem is our perspective. I mean, we we spent so much time dwelling on the problem in our minds that we have reduced the size and power of God and dramatically increased the size and power of the problem that God can easily conquer. So it clouds our perspective. I do that. Maybe you do that. I focus too much on the problem, and it becomes so huge. Or I use the term sometimes, like, "Well, I fill in the blanks of what what they meant," or "Well, I bet I bet they said this and that, and I bet this," or with the problem, or "I know this is going to happen and that's going to happen," and and it's always a default to negative, right? I mean, it's. Usually, our sin nature kind of takes us there, and it's not default to, to goodness. And so, we have to discipline our minds that, it, with that, and choose to <coughs> to have the right perspective. Spend more time seeking God than talking about the problem. Okay, all these are the ways we respond. To, to fear that sets in, to circumstances that seem to overwhelm us, to mountains that seem huge, to odds that are against us, as Jehoshaphat did. And he found himself in that situation. Okay, so what I want to do now is I'm going to. See, I've been going for like 45 minutes. It seems like 15 minutes. Um, I'm trying to. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go one more takeaway, okay? I'm going to read verses 5 through 9. I'll give you one takeaway. Take another 15 minutes, and then we'll, we'll stop, and then we'll come back next time. All right, so if we read on in verse 5, let me just read it for you. It says this, And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, all right, so now he's gonna do, he's going to make a declaration. We're going to take it apart here. O Lord, God of our fathers, Are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, disaster comes, if it comes upon us the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you. For your name is in this house. And cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear, and you will save. Let's stop there, man, that's powerful. I love that part where he says, for your name is in this house. Can you say that about your house? Your home? For your name, God, is in this house unashamedly. We are not ashamed. Your name is in this house. So again, he's seeking God, right? And it's unfolding of how that's happening. Fasting is a way we do that. Here's here's a second way. Um, another way I should say. We've talked about more than more than one, but take one number four is this seeking god means i declare that's what that's what jehoshaphat did i declare out loud i think i think it's out loud i declare out loud who god is and what he's done that's what Jehoshaphat did. That's how you seek God. That's how you break the power of fear that's on your life, is you declare it out loud. Now, don't, don't be crazy person on me, but 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 we 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 say these things just like he did. He stood in the assembly of Judah before the new court, and he said, so he declares this, right? You declare it right there where you are in your house, in your car, in Walmart. Be careful there. That could be weird, I guess, but in you declare it. And I'm telling you, there's something powerful about saying it out loud. You don't have to scream it, but just saying it out loud. And you can, uh, it, this is an act of worship. It's a declaration. It's a confession. It honors God. It glorifies God. And guess what? It strengthens you. So here's what here's what he does. Okay, we'll finish with this. Number one, here's the first thing. So from takeaway take number four, declare out loud who God is and what he's done. The first thing underneath that, number one, For us, what he did and what we should do, declare the authority of God. That's what he does. First thing, he declares the authority of God. He says this, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nation. You know what that does? (laughs) He, Jehoshaphat, and you and I, when we do it, it puts God in his proper place, which is he reigns over all things. Let's not forget that. Fierce comes in and overtakes us, we have forgotten about the authority of God, the sovereignty of God over all things. When that happens, you're going to get afraid. So he's standing for Judah. He's wanting to, He wants to start off. He wants them to get this right, and it's for himself, and it's for them. O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all kingdoms of the nations. So declare the authority of God in your life. The second thing he does, he affirms the power of God. Look what he says there. It says this, You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. He's affirming the power of of God. This, this is our God. This is a way also that he is seeking God. This is a way that he is responding to fear. He's declaring the authority of God. He is affirming the power of God over all things. That same power, Ephesians 3, that works within us. You're not fighting this alone. Whatever is coming against you, you are not. God would say you are not alone. Jehoshaphat, we're going to see Later, the, the the presence of power of God just manifests and demonstrates some amazing ways. Just this whole story is is amazing, and especially the way it ends. So stay with me in the weeks ahead. So he he's affirming. So you you affirm the power of God. Look, look listen. Even if you don't feel it right now, these are truths. We declare it. We affirm it. Number three, the third thing he does in this prayer. He states the faithfulness of God. Okay, so. You, you remember the faithfulness of God in your life. Okay, you, you state the faithfulness of God. Here's what he says. Did you not, our God, I like how he says that, our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friends? So this is what God's done in the past, the faithfulness of God. And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name. Right, so the faithfulness of God breaks that stronghold of fear, you know, stating it, declaring it, and there's a way that we are seeking God. And then he goes on, verse 9. If disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine... We will stand before this house and before you. For your name is in this house. And cry out to you in our affliction. You see, there there it is again. Seeking, responding, setting their eyes on God. And cry out to you in our affliction. Not even everybody else. We need to tell others more hurting, when we're struggling, when we're in affliction. They need to pray for us. They need to come alongside us, those close to us. But let's not, let's not forget that first, what do we do again? It's it's our first response Says we're crying out to God. And cry out to you in our affliction, and you will, not even I hope you hear us and save us, you will hear and save. That is a declaration of faith in God in the protection of God over them. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they said, Our God can save us, but even if He doesn't, even if He doesn't, we will still worship Him. That is faith over fear. How do we get that? How does that happen? We want that. I want that. You want that, right? We don't want fear to control us. And I know, I know, because I've talked to so many of you, and I, I know that, that, that so many times and so many of you face these circumstances and struggles that can bring fear and unsettledness and uncertainty or relationships that are difficult and people that might be coming against you for whatever reason. And even as you Progression, in your faith. You know, the Bible is very clear about that, that people will come against us. Right when, we're in the, right when we're in the center of the will of God, circumstances and people come against us. But the promise we have today from 2 Chronicles 20 and from Jehoshaphat and his prayer and his declaration and his response is that we can. We can have faith over fear. But the key is that when that fear comes in, and it will all of us, how have you responded? How are you responding to that fear? Jehoshaphat shows us just these first few verses. Responding in faith means we seek God. fasting is one way. by setting our eyes and our hearts on God, by spending more time seeking God than talking about the problem, by seeing this fear as an opportunity to move us to a deeper faith in God, and then by declaring out loud who God is and what he's done. Faith over fear. Let's pause, let's pray. Let me pray for you, and I'll just wrap this one up today. So God, I pray, my heart is, I just think right now, people listening to this that are struggling, and I'm praying through the power of your word today, God, through the truth of your word, and through us declaring who you are and your power, give us eyes to see. And while we may declare also that we do not know what to do and we feel powerless, we set our eyes on you. And I firmly believe that, God, you will deliver. You will provide hope. You will provide healing and encouragement and strength and faith over fear. So I pray that for every person listening to this who is struggling. May they find hope today. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. And amen. Thanks for joining me today. Come back with me. I'll let you know in a week or next week or the week after. I'm going to come back and do a part two, then part three, and part four till we get through this thing. And I'm praying that it's encouraged you. Have a good week. Remember, faith over fear. Faith over fear. Thanks for listening to the Grace Point Podcast. For more information about the ministries in our church, we encourage you to visit our website at gracepointdenton.com.